Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so thrilled that you choose to learn about book marketing from me and my guests. And today I have back by popular demand, well, my demand. Um, I loved my conversation with Gina Cox and Kevin Wilde and also Libby Hoffman about book awards. Sadly, Libby is not with us today, but we are Revisiting Book Marketing Approaches with Gina Cox and Kevin Wilde. So in case you missed the earlier episode, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. And also in case you missed it, I'm going to give Gina and Kevin a quick opportunity to introduce themselves. Gina, why don't you share first? Oh, thank you so much, Becky and Kevin. It's so good to be with you again. Um, so I'm Gina Cox and, and I'm a first time author who wrote a book called Leading Inclusion that was launched in October of 2022. So I'm a bit of a newbie like most people because I'm guessing most people only write one book. Um, but you know, uh, I'm an organizational psychologist who uses that kind of training to really uh, power the work I do as an executive coach uh, because my primary focus and the focus of my book is all about helping, organ- helping leaders be their most effective uh, in in um, with their obligations as leaders and organizations. Thank you, Gina. Kevin, could you remind our listeners about yourself and your work and your book? I will. Thank you. And uh, I'll be taking a lot of notes on what uh, Gina and Becky says as well, because I am interested in learning more about this topic as well. In, in my case, I'm author of the book, uh, Coachability, the Leadership Superpower. It uh, stems from some corporate work I did watching some executives succeed and others fail. And the failures were the leaders that were very talented, but they lost the interest in getting feedback and getting better. So how does one bring that spark back? So that's been my work and also my passion as I now teach at the University of Minnesota uh, in the uh, business school uh, for executive MBAs. And then uh, prior to that, 34 years corporate experience. So um, as with Gina, more of a um, practitioner loving to make a difference in the field uh, and writing a book is one way I'm trying to do it. Thank you so much. So I want to start today by saying that one of my biases about book marketing is that every author needs to think about their book marketing, not in terms of only the launch of the book, which may be the month or weeks surrounding the publication date, but also have a long-term view of the value their book can bring to the world. And so um, that's what we're starting with today, that if you wrote a book that that you will be invested enough in the content and the topic and sharing the value with others that you will spend time, energy, and money over not just one month, but six months, a year, two years, or longer to share your book with others. So 
Let's start with this question. I would love to hear from you, Gina and Kevin. What tactics or approaches have you used after the launch of your book to help you continue momentum and to help you continue to get the book out to new audiences? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say that the I've done a variety of things, including you know using email and um, a little advertising and, and so on. But for me, the 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 one tech tactic that I have used most consistently and with the greatest success is social media. And, you know, prior to writing this book, I was a social media avoider in that my, all I could think of was the downside and I'm a very private person. And the very idea of it just seemed contradictory to who I am and what I care about. But I was told, I mean, if you don't participate in this way, you miss this big opportunity. So I made learning how to use social media for this purpose, part of my pre-launch development. One of the things I worked on a little bit, uh, because the other thing that I learned is you can't just wait till the book comes out to start doing that. If you're, if you intend to use social media, as I had decided I would, I needed to start thinking about that before, well before the book was launched. And so while I had um, a Twitter account and an Instagram account and a Facebook account and a LinkedIn account, the one thing I realized very quickly was I could never sustain all of those, and nor did I have any desire to do that. So I decided early in these early months before the book came out, which one would be my primary channel. And I just said, I know the rest are there and they're great, but I can't do them all. So I just picked one and that was LinkedIn. Um, and I picked LinkedIn um, for the reason most people would pick it over others, which is that this is where my potential reader is, the people that I want to hire me for speaking and for advising work, advisory work, are more likely to be on LinkedIn in a business mode than they would be in any of the other channels. Um, And so um, that meant that I had to sort of create a profile, enhance my profile, the profile was already there, and really think about what could I do to make it compelling so people would want to listen to hear what I would have to say next. So my whole approach has been to use LinkedIn but to use it in a strategic way, not just to post something because I have something that could be posted, but to think about building sort of followership in the sense that some consistency, a certain tone, a certain way of, of communicating and interacting with LinkedIn that people could say, I see, they see how I am <laughs> and trying to make it a little bit more personal, even though everything I talked about on LinkedIn or 99.9% is really all just about work (laughs) and the book. Yeah, I love, Gina, that you decided in advance which channel would be your primary channel and found a way to sustain your social media presence over time. Mm Yeah, I think it is important. Again, that's not anything that I knew. That is something that I learned from some other author or someone like yourself who has had much more experience than I. But whenever someone would give me advice, I wrote it down and I usually did it unless it was something I couldn't afford to do. I think that was usually the only reason something I couldn't afford to do. It was just not a match with my values or something, but that hardly ever happened. Most of the time is maybe I couldn't afford it. But if I could afford to do it, I would try to do it because I knew that this would probably help. And there are a lot of different channels, but the channels are each has a different audience, you know, a different way. Uh, and I picked the one that I felt the most comfortable with. 
Thank you for sharing that. So Kevin, how about you? What are some tactics that you've been investing in that have helped you to continue your momentum post-launch of your book? Yeah. Well, one thing that, by the way, before I get to your question, one thing that impressed me about what Gina just said is, you know, you've got to study this thing, make some choices, and then be consistent. Uh, and follow. If other authors have done it well, go learn from them. I do think it's kind of a learn from others process, where oftentimes the book creation is your own creative act. Uh, the marketing is sort of, a, I'm just going to get great ideas and, and see. In my case, I certainly am have, have doing LinkedIn and want to, want to learn and be more consistent. But as I look back at the first year and I just had the anniversary of the book, uh, one thing that was interesting for me is like, wow, I'm, I'm selling more books now than I did at launch. And I have no idea whether it's going to continue, but it was kind of an experiment learn mode and I just momentum is picked up. Uh, I can't point to one specific thing, but I'll say, hey, in the mix, uh, I've been doing the following. Uh, what's one thing that's worked for me is events. So uh, webinars, um, being invited into companies, organizations, um, and in my case, uh, it's everybody gets a book because my purpose is to get the message out to help people. Book in hand is primary. So I'll give up part of a speaking fee. I'll do some other things, but everybody gets a book. And in some cases, what I've learned is everybody gets two books. And one, if you get the book that's a pass-out book is, if you liked it, you've got one to give someone else. And I, and I think that's built some fun momentum as well. Um, partnerships. Uh, so in the case of what I wrote, uh, I had a, a training company come to me and say, we'd like, I've had a couple, but one said, I'd like to turn your course into, your book into a course, what do you think? Uh, and we, we formed a partnership there and that did a couple things. One is it helped me with reach. So I was relying on sort of the muscle of other people to get the book, get the message out there. Um, Clearly, well, you got to be careful on that process, but great partner doing well. And as they were promoting the course, the book sales jumped. Uh, and so back to the sometimes uh, advertising, if you will, is someone else's dollars. So that's worked well. Uh, same thing with uh, awards and 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 uh, get abstract. Uh, I've got a book summary service that summarized my book. Uh, they've got global reach. And I noticed there was a bump in sales. And suddenly, like, why are people in Japan buying my book? <laughs> I've done no advertising in Japan. And again, it's sort of those partnerships that made it work. So I think all of that's in the mix. And, and after year one, I'd say, I'm glad I did those things. I'd quickly add, I tried some other things like, I'm not so sure that worked. So I think the learn, experiment, try things. And to Gina's point, both, you know, I can do this and it feels authentic. Uh, those are some of my guides. So, uh, you know, maybe let's go there. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned there's some things that you've tried that you hoped would increase momentum for your book over time that didn't work. Um, so we're going to ask you what those were. But Gina, I'm curious if anything uh, bubbles up for you. Is there anything that you've tried that that you feel like, you know, hey, that wasn't worth it, at least as it relates to my title? Yeah, you know, I would say like sort of what I would call direct advertising, the advertising in the, in the classic sense, like on Amazon with ads or um, uh, in, in that sort of retail sense, you know, I didn't try Facebook ads or anything like that, but I certainly tried Amazon ads and I did some other advertising in, I would call them trade publications in that they're not publications that are, or, or websites that are just necessarily read by the general public, but might be read by uh, librarians and so on. Um, anyway, so I was a little more targeted um, and, and I haven't been able to, to really document uh, the return on the investment for that kind of, of um, effort, which 
on the other hand, I, I, I couldn't document the direct monetary return, but that doesn't mean that there still wasn't another kind of benefit. Because sometimes when you do something like, let's say, advertising, then there's the hope that, yeah, somebody sees this and buys the book for whatever reason. But then there's also the additional benefit that just comes from visibility and getting your name in certain places. And sometimes also having your book present on a page with another book that has a wider readership. I mean, so there are other benefits that aren't necessarily directly um, so easy to track. Uh, but I would say advertising is the one at this point that I would probably put at the bottom of my list. Thank you. So, Kevin, uh, what would you add of things that you tried that were not yeah, as effective? Yeah, Regina's comment reminds me of back the days when I worked with the, the package good company, uh, General Mills, and would hang around the marketing people. They'd say, half of our advertising works. We just don't know which half. <laughs> so we got to do all of it. So, and you got you got to try things. And and I think right. about where I try things that uh, two things I learned. One thing one thing is sometimes it's patience. Hang with it longer than you think. That partnership took longer to form than I thought it would, uh, but it got there. Um, so I think some that, that judgment about do I feel good now? But it might take longer than you think. And then I had uh, one specific audience I thought was just a great target audience that everybody would want this book right away, and I kept networking and talking and doing things and uh, just wasn't feeling the love as much. And while I've made one or two inroads, it just didn't go where I thought. Um, and I think that tells me I need to step back, rethink what's my view of the value and then, you know, go back at it again. So I, I think experiment and learn, but. Um, no, I love that, Kevin. And, and I don't know, Becky, if you would mind if I just jumped in to make a comment about this, I, I would say one thing for sure that, Kevin's comment reminded me of, which is I had no idea who this book was for until after the book came out. And most of what I learned about who the book is for, I learned in the last, and not even in the first six months after it was released, but more in the second six months, because now I'm approaching that second six month mark. And the reason I say that, and I, and I love how Kevin talked about trial and error is because yes, you have to start somewhere. But if, if the place that I started was, I thought that this book was for executive leaders and corporations who were already running a business and who um, were at a certain level in the organization and so on. And that is still true. And I want every one of those people to read my book and so on. But of course, there are also the people who get books to them that were part of my primary audience, but they weren't really necessarily in the forefront of my mind as I started to market the book. And then there's another group of people, which is the ones I never thought about at all that came knocking on my door and said something and said, and, and let me understand that there was a market I had not previously considered. For example, uh, leaders in companies that are um, headquartered outside of the United States, but are required to manage a workforce that includes Americans. Let's say that group, very specific group of people I would have never thought about, but those leaders find value in my book because what the book includes is not just, um, because this book is about leadership and inclusion, it's really helping them to understand some social issues that are unique to the US environment in particular that they might not otherwise have that perspective upon. So I think the idea of trial and error, error, the idea that you might not really know everybody that this book is for at the beginning, and so you're kind of be open-minded. And when someone reaches out, don't make any assumptions because uh, often that, that person who reaches out to you with a question, not only will they bring something to you that you never thought about, but it sparks in you some other opportunities. So it's actually quite a journey uh, 
to figure out what are the best ways to market your book uh, because it's a journey to figure out who your book is for. That's so interesting, Gina. And I want to add something on my experience with my book. So um, my book, Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message Book or Cause, we very intentionally tried to expand beyond authors. Now, the reality is that when I wrote my book and when I do my work in the world, I'm primarily wanting to reach authors. And so what showed up for me, Gina, just now when you were speaking is, I think that my experience has been somewhat opposite. You know, in the beginning, I thought I would get success if I expanded, and this is what my publisher wanted me to do, that subtitle to be like beyond authors, to nonprofit leaders, Mm -hmm. to other types of creators or people, you know, who had a, a, a message or a cause that they wanted to share with the world. And it's possible that those people are finding my book and, and benefiting from it. But what I have discovered is that original audience that's closest to me is the one who has responded the best. That is so interesting, Becky, because um, I remember early on in my author journey, I had this notion how when I when I read my question to myself was how do I maximize eyeballs? Like that was an idea that I had. My idea to do that was okay, let's make sort of this general opportunity that many people would find interesting, right? And I remember AJ Harper telling me a book is not about something. Your book is not about leading inclusion. Your book is for someone. Uh, and that's another mantra that I have, I have internalized because the idea that a book is for someone forced me to think, well, who is it for? At least for this primary audience. And, and we've already determined that that audience can vary over time. And maybe there's a new audience you didn't know. But, you know, for all of us, there's, there has to be that primary audience. And so when she said that, that was when I started to really focus on top level leaders and organizations, because it was very clear to me that this was the biggest opportunity to make an organization inclusive. And then once I made that decision, then then there was a whole cascade of other decisions I could make about the book for better or worse based on that assumption. So at the very, very least, it was like an organizing principle that made everything that I did consistent. That doesn't mean I didn't miss a possible piece of an audience, but it certainly meant that the ones for whom I intended this book initially it increased the chances that they would see it because if, when a book is, when I, I found that when I could say the book was for that audience, that was the audience that would pay attention because mostly marketing a book or selling a book is about trying to get anybody to pay attention. <laughs> so focus helps. <laughs> yeah. So for those who are listening, I hope you're hearing the takeaway here, which is to get clear about who you're writing your book for and then to center your efforts on reaching those people and be open along the way to discovering the possibility that maybe you wrote your book for someone and you didn't even know that it was for them. Well, um, if I could jump in, one of the things that yeah. you taught me early on is, okay, here, here's the pre-launch, here's the launch. But then you said, here is your four quarter plan for the first year. And that's something I've took to heart back to experimenting, trying things. And, you know, if you take uh, Gina's point of view, I, I really like this. Hey, maybe in the second quarter, you should step back and just see who's picking up the book. And what are some assumptions about that that might, you know, uh, get in the way of me really reaching that audience? So it's not just putting it out there to who you think you're creating value for, but also who you're getting traction with and learning for those opportunities. So back to the, you know, day one here, your assumption about the, the book audience, day 180, what, what's, what's new I can learn? Yeah. 
Well, and a good source of intel on that would be to read your Amazon reviews. If you have Amazon or Goodreads reviews from people mm. you don't know, then what they choose to highlight as they talk about your book could be a clue into the audience that your title is resonating with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about media opportunities, podcasts, articles, and interviews. How have PR efforts or you know, reaching earned media, how have those propelled momentum for your title post-launch? Well, I'll go and say that um, it's been uh, a a goal, a targeted goal. And uh, I have been been purposeful, first of all, about identifying the media where I would like, in which I would like to appear. Now, being purposeful about where I would like to appear does not mean that's not the same thing as saying I appeared there <laughs> because that is also a journey, right? And I was one of those authors, I, again, I think like most people who, is, who started from ground zero or maybe below that with regard to the whole media thing, didn't know anything about it, number one, and hadn't had any prior experience doing it. And it's a journey too. So I'm still not where I want to be with regard to all of the things, the media properties that I have targeted and so on. On the other hand, um, because I was purposeful about this, like everything else, I said, for example, you know, I want to at least have one article in Harvard Business Review, which is like the hardest thing in the world to do. But I would, I would want to do that because in my genre, it would add that social um, uh, credibility that I could not, I could never pay for that, right? So there's that. Um, and then I would want to have a second article at some point, which is something that I have uh, in progress right now. Um, but then for all of these other things, I said, I want to be on national TV. Everybody says, try to get on a morning show, right? Try to get on. The... And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I have not gotten on a morning show. I have not gotten on any national TV show at this point in, in this, in the book's history, but that doesn't mean it will not happen because I keep, I learned one of the things I've learned is try to get some local media first. Don't even worry about national as a starting point, unless that's, you have support from a professional, like, like a Becky, for example. But um, uh, you, you know, it's really important to, to think about, well, what is that path to national if that's what you want? So whatever media you do will still help you get there. So I'm still working on that. So I put a lot of my emphasis on two things that I could, that I had more control over than over national, getting onto national TV. The first one was um, uh, sort of, I call it print media, although uh, it's really internet media in a lot of ways, because if you're talking, what I'm talking about is getting quoted by publications that are read by my audience. And so I started trying to uh, either pitch to or build relationships with reporters who wrote for, um, you know, the New York Times or, or um, Barron's or Bloomberg or um, uh, Wall Street Journal or, um, uh, you know, just a variety of, of the business publications. And then I went to publications that are broader, like newspapers, like USA Today and so on. And I tr- my goal was to get at least to get the logos, right? Because for marketing purposes, I, I want to I want to use it for two reasons. I wanted to get the logo because I wanted those people to have written something in which I was quoted. But then I also wanted to have the logo associated with me and my little book so I could say quoted in and use that for marketing purposes. So I did that very purposefully. Um, and uh, that, that seems to have worked. And podcasts, how could I forget? <laughs> um, podcasts are, are are probably the most consistent part of my uh, media outreach. And some people will probably scoff when they hear the word podcast, although I don't, I don't think it would be anyone listening right now, because you all know that podcasts are the best thing since sliced bread, right? But um, they really are, 
because there's I don't think there's any such thing as as a lowly podcast. Yes, some podcasts have more listeners, but every podcast that I've ever gone on, even if it only had a smaller reach, there's always at least one or two people on there who might follow up and say, oh, I'm so glad you did this thing or what have you. And then if you as you work your way up from the smallest podcasts to the next level of podcasts, you know, you just get more exposure. So very impactful for me. One of the podcast, I've done a lot of podcasts and webinars, and uh, one of the things I learned is given my, my theme of my book is feedback and coachability. What I do at the, at the beginning before the host turns on the record is say, hey, I'm going to ask you two questions after you stop recording. And at the end of everyone said, I want to do more podcasts. Please give me some coaching. What did I do well in this podcast? I should continue. And what's one thing I could do better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and most podcasters are stunned when I ask that question. And I said, well, yeah, how do you get better if you don't ask? So to Gina's point, you know, you got to practice and get better and get feedback and that's all fun. So the, the one thing I would offer um, on how I've done the podcast and webinars and whatnot is you think about a piece of paper, uh, putting yourself and your book at the center and then drawing some concentric circles of relationships you currently have. Uh, in my case in, case, in being in the learning and development field for now over 40 years, I know a lot of people and I've been fortunate to have some great friends so the book thing was like, where's the intersection about who knows me and who I have social proof right now uh, that I can reach out to, hey, the book's coming out. Uh, do you have a webinar, podcast, et cetera, that I could contribute some content that would be of interest to your listeners? And that got the ball rolling. Uh, so it was back to their need, their audience, uh, but saying, I got this coming out. What do you think? Um, and again, then, then the circles just expand. The more you do, the more there's exposure and all of that. And one thing leads to another. Um, so that back to the, you, you could do cold calls, but uh, I think in addition to that notion about, you probably have more people and more networks than you think that can help you sustain over the 12 months. Um, and then the, other, the final thing on, on my end is, is, I just always enjoyed the podcast uh, and webinars because they ask me good questions. And I mean, the, the, the secret of authors is, you know, the day you're done with your book, you're not done writing. <laughs> so I have learned so much from those podcasts and questions and interviews that I think that's the only thing that keeps me in the game is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wasn't born to be a marketing person. It's like, hey, leadership development, writing, all of that. But the curiosity, the interaction, the learning about, hey, uh, these people really like this concept. Let's go there. You know, I had one chapter in my book. I thought that's going to be the winner. And it turned out to be another chapter that people are just resonating with on this notion of research on the learning zone. Like, okay. That'll be the main message I bring to podcasts. That'll be the main message I bring to other media. Um, and it, it back to the, it resonates. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, I love how, I love that. And, 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 you know, I, I think it reinforces the notion at, certainly, but both of us have said reinforced the notion that what we're talking about here is about being planful and purposeful about this whole book, book, you know, journey. Um, you know, you're planful and purposeful about writing the book. You have to also be as plan- purposeful about, what are you going to do to support it uh, post-launch? Because both of all the things you said, Kevin, are about having some sort of a plan. You know, you didn't just start willy-nilly. You kind of started to think about this in, in a way that would get you, you know, the most value and be the most logical thing to do. And I, I certainly think for anyone who's listening, this is important. And frankly, others can help you to think this through. Um, but you also just have to own this and say, this is what I understand is necessary. So if you're working with a PR professional and they tell you, they recommend that you do certain things and you don't do them, well, don't go and blame the PR professional if you didn't get the outcomes that you were seeking, because you've got to do the work. Well, certainly so. And Gina, we were talking before we hit record about an approach that you've taken and 
you know, a standard that you've set for yourself as it relates to the book marketing. And I want to invite you to share that right now. Um, And then I want to reflect on a a possible approach that folks could take away as they think about what am I going to do to continue momentum? So you first, and then I'll share my bit. Okay. Yeah. So the thing that I say to you, Becky um, and Kevin, um, this was, you know, it's something that I aim for. It's sort of a goal is one thing each week, you know, I try to do at least one thing each week that I would put in the category of marketing support for the book. And so often that's something on social media. And the only reason that's often something on social media is because I have a little more control, of course. But even if it is something on social media, I have a plan, like, you know, four weeks in a month, I'm not, you know, one that one week, I might be doing a quote from the book, another week, I might be talking about a message from the book that I'm, uh, you know, amplifying and, and, and building out so people can see that point. Another time I might be sharing news, uh, current affairs related to my main idea, but still in social media so that people can see, well, I'm up to date on everything that's going on, and I'm maybe educating them. And then a fourth time, I might, the fourth time, the fourth week, I might be doing some other thing, but they're all related. So that's even just the social media sliver. That's how I approach it. And I try to do at least one thing. And that's something that what I like about it, I guess, is you could put it on a calendar and you could at least know, have you done that? Everything else that you do beyond that in my world, I feel it's sort of like gravy. And so um, sometimes I get to be interviewed by a reporter. That's gravy. Sometimes I get to talk to a new group of people, you know, giving a talk or something. Uh, I'm making money, but I'm also marketing. All of these things are gravy, but I always try to have that one consistent drumbeat of activity that people can count on. Kevin, anything you want to add on that topic before I uh, share an idea? It's uh, let's talk about the reality here, at least from my author experience, that what we love to do is create. Uh, So writing, creating, and it's so great when you finally crack open the box and there's your book, it's printed. And it's very tempting to say, I'm done. I'm at the finish line. Uh, But Becky, as the runner marathoner, knows that what you want to do is you want to be at the start line, well-trained. And that notion about it is a year. Here's what you're doing a week. uh, And you need to see it as a creative act. Uh, If you you see it taking away from your main job, this is always going to be a burden. But I've always tried to have the mindset about, you know, one, one thing a week or great podcast is this is part of why I wrote the book is to get the word out, to see where it goes, to keep creating, as opposed to the burden of marketing. Like, no, this is part of connecting. This is, if you will, reach. Uh, and uh, one thing I do, and this is going to be a shameless promotion for Becky, is I reread your book every every couple of months on reach. It just has a lot of insight. And as you know, when you have a great book, Gina's book, uh, Becky's book, sometimes you, you pick up a new message every time you look at it. Uh, and I just get re-energized every time I uh, uh, dive into your book and get a few new ideas. Yeah, thank you, you me, so much. You owe me for that one now. <laughs> I, I do. Thank you. That is so kind. So what I want to offer uh, is a possible way of thinking about this. So when I'm doing book marketing planning with clients, I created this Google Jamboard. And if you email me, Becky at Weaving Influence, I'll send you a copy of it. But this is very closely aligned to what Gina is saying about choose one thing to do every week. So the Jamboard is set up month by month. And what I encourage you to do is think about, is there one big thing each month that you could do to keep your book out in the conversation, to share your book in a bigger way with others. And I do that on my Jamboard, which you'll see visually with the green sticky note. So the big green sticky note is like the one big thing I'm going to do this month. Then I have 
um, on the side in orange sticky notes, I have these kind of baseline activities that are going to happen on a regular basis. So those are the things that you're consistently committed to. If that's your weekly newsletter, or your monthly newsletter, or your social media posts, I put those on the side. Those are the things that you're going to fuel all the time, the sustainable marketing actions to keep your valuable message in front of people. And then at the bottom in pink, what I do is any kind of special opportunities in any given month. So in any given month, there may be a holiday that would be a great opportunity for you to be talking about your book. Um, the week that we're recording, I think yesterday was National Read a Book Day or something like that. And so you can look for those natural times on the calendar where it just makes sense to talk about your book again. You know, it might be more closely tied to the content of your book. Um, so I'm sure, Gina, Black History Month, potentially you were talking about your book in different ways. Um, so whatever those kind of special events on the calendar, it can even be your birthday. It can be the anniversary of the book's release, which, Gina, you have coming up depending on when this show airs. So, um, you, so you look at what's the one big thing I can do this month? What are those sustainable marketing actions that are the baseline activities? And then, you know, what are some special opportunities that may be related to the calendar. And finally, if there are extra things that you're interested in trying or curious about, I also use a different color to say, you know, as time allows, as energy allows, I might try to do these things. And you can build a Google Jamboard where you copy that structure month by month and you brainstorm out in advance to identify those holidays. So if you're listening and you want a copy of that Jamboard planning system, I'd be happy to give it to you for free. Email me, I'll get you a copy and you can try to put this into practice because what we're about here at the Book Marketing Action Podcast is giving you actionable ideas that you can implement to continue to reach readers with your book. So that's your action step for the day. Um, I want to make sure, though, um, that I give Gina and Kevin a chance to share any parting wisdom before we wrap up today's episode. And also, I'd love for you two to each take the chance to let people know again how they can stay in touch with you and your work. Absolutely. I love uh, the whole idea of the Jamboard and the big ideas because I, I, that is an idea that I, that I try to practice and that does influence the things that I do at a tactical level in any given month. Although I don't think I, have, I, don't think I follow um, uh, that system as well as I ought to, so I need to get the Jamboard. But um, <laughs> the truth is that it really makes it, makes it easier when I do that. Because for example, if I just look at 12 months in a year, it's a chunk that my brain can sort of process. And there are some things that are predictable. And I ought to know what those things are that are predictable that relate to my book. So if I don't know what those things are, why would, and, and readers are looking for things about the subject, they're not gonna see my book. So that's just sort of like a practice that you ought to do to know, for example, in my world, things that have to do with leadership, things that have to do with inclusion, things that have to do with certain holidays and certain cultural groups and so on, that makes a difference. Anniversaries, National Literacy Day, National Library Day, all of those kinds of things I have exploited as opportunities to talk about my book in a way that, you know, I think the biggest barrier for all of us authors sometimes is, oh my gosh, are people tired of hearing me talk about my book? Well, think about what uh, Becky is proposing as a way to get around that, because you have a built-in excuse now to talk about your book. It's not just picking something, uh, you know, randomly and saying, here, you're saying, oh, librarians, we're celebrating librarians. So, of course, I have to mention that I have a book. I hear about my So, uh, but think about the ways that this idea, I think, can really help support you and get you to pass this thing that I call a fear of promoting your book that I, I think most authors, including myself, have got to get past. Kevin, anything you want to add? 
I think we covered a lot of great ideas here. I think the spirit of the job's not over when the, the launch has happened, but a lot of the elements and energy of the launch should carry you through the 12 months. You know, how do you do a good launch? You do the pre-work. How do you do a good launch? You plan it. You bring in all the great resources. You create energy. And whether the 12-month energy is the, the green or the reds or the blues on the, on your jam board, just having that, uh, I, th I think can help. And again, energizes. The only thing we haven't talked about uh, specifically, I just want to just mention for a second is, uh, at least for me, I, I need I need help. I need friends. Uh, I need encouragers. And you know, in the um, in, in the book on in my book on coachability, I talk about great leaders are in the learning zone. They're not just in the I'm ignoring zone or I'm you know I'm too busy zone. Uh, and I think for great authors over the 12 months, how do I keep momentum going on my book? I need to be in the learning zone. I need to be curious. I need to observe things. I need to try things. Uh, I mean, you know, if you will, uh, the, I you know, great leaders always see themselves as an incomplete product. I'm working. Yep. Give me some ideas. How can I help here? Where's my blind spot? And I think that the same applies to all of us that we need to learn over the 12 months. And as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to look at Gina's LinkedIn site. So it's like, whoa, I bet she did some really good things here I can learn from. So you can learn from Becky. You can learn from successful authors. All right. So before we wrap up the episode, Gina, let people know where they can find you. You can find me at my website. Luckily, it's my name, Gina with an E, G-E-N-A-C-O-X.com. And I'm also quite active on LinkedIn, as I mentioned. And there you just search for me by name, Gina with an E. And um, if you'd like to get access to my latest ebook, uh, it's available on the front page of my website. So if you go there, you'll see the form where you can put, submit the information so that you can get a copy of my latest ebook. And Kevin, where's the best place for people to reach you? LinkedIn, Kevin Wilde, uh, and then also I've got a website, and it has with Gina lots of free resources if you want to grab things there, and it is thecoachableleader.com, thecoachableleader.com. I've got the coachability book available there, but also uh, tools and resources. And we will make sure that all of these links are in the show notes at weavinginfluence.com. For those of you who are listening on your favorite podcast player, thank you so much for investing time with us on this episode. We have only a few more episodes before we're going to wrap up our fourth season, but we're already planning for great guests and topics in 2024. So if you have any suggestions, you can always reach out to me, Becky at weavinginfluence.com. I'm so thrilled to be able to serve you. Have a great rest of your week. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.